there are so many people who try to sell copywriting and marketing now who are doing what well, they'll just they're pandering, they're over pandering to the people who don't know any better, telling you things like, oh, you don't really have to sell. If you're cool and people like you and you know, you're, you're never pushy, never ask for the offer. Of course, people will just, they'll give you their money anyway because your product is so cool and they like you so much. I, I assure you that that is the road to failure. The Online Marketing Show with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hello and welcome to The Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is a fantastic copywriter by the name of Stan Dahl. Go to simplewritingsystem.com to find out more about him. In this episode, Stan will be sharing his copywriting wisdom, including two traits that every A-list copywriter must have, how to create the perfect USP, two components of every great sales message, whether or not we should use controversy in our copy, and also why we should always assume the sale. All this and much, much more coming up. Stan, thank you very much for being with me today. Glad to be here. Stan, how did you become a copywriter? Um, well, let's see. My backstory or my, my background really was about as far from copywriting as it could be. I had a like an IT consulting profession going for a long time. And then about 10 years ago, a guy by the name of John Carlton, who some of your folks may be familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, he and I had been friends for a long time. Just, you know, I sat down at a bar in 1985 and struck up a conversation with him. And over the years, you know, we'd become pretty good friends, done some traveling together and never really worked together though. And then as happened, he had his copywriting and his course and a little consulting going and it was blowing up. So he was, he's one of those guys who, you know, remarkably good salesman, remarkably copywriter, but not so much an organizer or business manager. So he approached me on the let's why don't we form a partnership where you know he he would be the smiling face of the business and worry about the products and I would make sure there were websites and people got paid and there were project plans and and things like that. Mm-hmm. So for a couple of years that's really how we rolled. I very much was stayed on the the back end, the tech thing, ran, you know, made sure there were affiliates and our our team was uh, working on stuff. And then just as happens over, you know, the years of working with copywriters and uh, I, I just developed some ideas and started writing some copy. So real, I was very much dragged in into this thing, you know, mm-hmm. not exactly against my will, but it certainly wasn't that I, I never woke up one day and thought, Hey, I, I I'm interested in this. It was a long process. And re- I would say to this day, I really don't self identify as a copywriter and mostly out of respect for the guys I work with or and the women I work for who are, I'll be the first to admit, they are better wordsmiths than me. They spend much more of their time over the years on the craft of writing. What I really try to specialize on is just shortcuts, figuring out what are things that I can do and thus I can help teach other people that are, if you get, you know, the 80-20 rule, if you get fast at this stuff and you get good enough at this stuff, you're in the game. Now, you're very likely to get some conversion on your copy. And then, of course, there's always room, to, you know, to take it to the next level, to become really a first-class copywriter. But I've definitely seen over the, you know, the seven, ten years now, being like an A-list rock star copywriter is not a requirement. Understanding the fundamentals of knowing how to structure a story so people will sell, that is a requirement if you want to make some money. 
Stan, a lot of the copy that I see on yours and John's websites, a lot of that actually seems to be written by you. I can see your name at the bottom of most of these sales letters. Yeah, I would say, again, over the years, uh, especially as John has you know, semi-retired a couple of years ago, more and more for myself, but even for clients, I, I, I write more copy myself. Uh, but still, my, my goal on the A-list stuff is I prefer to bring in, if it you know, really, really matters, I write a draft and I'll test my draft. And I like to bring in someone who I have a lot of respect for, mm-hmm. uh, get some feedback. You know, I'm always like to split test our sites, et cetera. But as I said, one way or the other, I definitely have to acknowledge I, I write a lot of sales copy for myself and for our clients. Okay. So my first question is about the mindset of copywriting. What would you say are some of the key personality and mindset traits of an A-list copywriter? I think, you know, let's say I, I want to start on the road to getting a list. Uh, there's, there's two things I've noticed that are, let's say, just common traits, common conversations I have with all the people that I know are very successful. The, the first is it, it all begins with the realization that when you're writing copy, like let's say you're in that mindset, you're, you're selling. You're, this is not a time to worry about being entertaining or being liked or, or being cool or even being, you know, pithy. It, th- that is the mindset where you, you, you've got to learn classic salesmanship. That's, mm-hmm. That this is the time to understand what has motivated humans to exchange money for a product or a service for a long time. That the advent of the internet, or now that videos are cheaper, or websites, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, the, the, the medium has changed uh, recently, in a lot less ten years, and will continue to change. But mm-hmm. fundamentally, what makes people buy? The, the type of connections you need to make with them to get their interest to explain what the product is for, to, to motivate them to act and, and not act in a way that says, hey, that, that's interesting, I should do that someday, but actually will take out a credit card or let's say, you know, opt in for an email list, whatever action you're trying. That, that, that's step one, to be very, very clear that when you're doing this type of writing, that's all you're worried about. Uh, the other thing I've, I've learned by watching uh, the people that are very, very good is the, if you look at from the time they say they're starting a job or starting working, the amount of time they spend writing is small. Uh, most people, when they start, they think they're going to dive into a job, and the first thing they do is they start writing. They, they start, they kind of, okay, what would the headline be? What would be the introduction? What would be the offer? And, and they really work through the project like very linearly, and they you know get down to the PS and you know, blah, blah. The, the people that are good at this do not do it that way. They spend most of their time on what I would just call basic research. They, they Before they even think of writing a word or what the price should be or what headline should be, they're going to read everything they can get their hands on in that market. For so, Not just similar products, but broadly, what do people in this market? They're going to look at websites. They're going to look at magazines. If there's TV shows they watch, they're, they're going to really try to spend most of the time they work on a project getting in the head and getting into the vocabulary of the target market. And then armed with that mindset, with that, okay, now I understand how these people talk, how they're used to being communicated with, that is when they begin the process of writing. And even then, you know, writing doesn't begin top down. It begins with a series of notes and, you know, what are the key points you want to make? What are possible price points? What are the benefits of this product? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it goes from research most of the time to note taking and you know, you could still do that on three by five cards. I know a lot of people do it that way. A lot of people, you know, do it online, cut and paste. And then I, I would say maybe 10, 15% of that time is actually producing words based on this volume of knowledge they now have that they likely didn't have when they began the project. You mentioned there that we are indeed selling. So what could we do to improve our salesmanship mentality? If selling is just something that is not natural to us, should we even bother an, an attempt 
copywriting or, or is it actually something that can be learned? Well, I think I, I am, you know, my case study one of someone who I was not a good copywriter I, in terms of I, I wrote technical things. Mm-hmm. And in my professional career, it turned out I was a pretty good closer. If someone got me in a room with a high priced consulting client and I worked in you know, like Fortune 500 companies and government agencies, I, I, I could scope the thing and close the thing for a lot of money. But I was not the opener that the salesman that got me in the room. So absolutely, like most skills in life, if you just, you know, said, okay, this is something I, if you realize this is an important thing to learn and you can see the value in having words that you could turn into money and you're willing to, to learn because I had to unlearn or, and stop doing a, a tremendous amount of things in, in which again, I will be the first to admit it, it was not a natural transition for me. It took me years to, to really be able to focus and learn techniques that were both would apply to anyone and then within that, you know, things that work better for me on how to focus on, okay, this is the point where it's, I have to follow templates, that there are components that go, go into a sales message. I need to have checklists. Am I covering these things? If it's, if there's only room for a little bit of copy or, or short amount of, let's say, you know, it's a short video, which one I'm not going to get to everything I'd like to get to. So what's most important to do here? And if it's going to lead to an email, what's most important to an email? So absolutely. I, I think anyone can learn to become a salesman if you're really willing to first internalize that that means learning some new things. It means communicating in a different way. And you're much better off following templates and models and structures that have worked for hundreds and hundreds of years than just thinking, oh, I'll just figure this out. Obviously, my product is great. People will, will see why it's valuable. That does not work. Do you have any tips for writing a really good USP, which um, stands for uh, Unique Selling Proposition, as I'm sure many people listening to this will already know, and also, Stan, where within our marketing mix should we be communicating our USP? Okay. Uh, okay. So let's just make sure I, you know your folks are all clear on what that term means, like what you're, the idea of the USP is as opposed, if, if I'm, let's say I'm, me personally, I'm someone who may buy your product. There's a world of people out there, the vast majority that no matter how good your sales message is, they're not going to buy the thing. They have no use for it. They don't, they don't have that problem, et cetera. So first of all, you know, we're, we're, we agree we're talking to the people that have any logical reason to at this moment in time, as they're exposed to your sales message, exchange money for what you have. So. What the next level is why you, if, if I might buy this thing right now, you're probably not the only option on planet earth for something that as much as you might believe your product or your service is completely unique and it's obviously better. And if I just took the time to understand why, of course I'd give you the money. That's not how it works. You have to very quickly get across to me why you and why not the next person I find on Google or, you know, the next person, in the yellow pages or the next, person at the trade show or wherever you are having this conversation. So you need to have some reason why you are unique. And now unique does not always mean a hundred percent. There's no one else exactly like you because let's be honest, not everyone has that, but it's so really it just starts off with before you start worrying about where you get into the sales message or is it the first thing or the last thing is you need to have that checklist. Part of your research, part of your note taking before you worry about writing a script is just coming up with that list of things. Well, why you and not somebody else? Why shouldn't I, you know, go to the next link and where it might be a couple dollars cheaper or maybe they've been doing it longer than you? Everybody has a story. And so, so that's, I'm now I'm, I'm going along around the transition into your, 
well, I think is the direct answer to your question is where at some point in your story, it, it doesn't have to be the first thing. In fact, it almost should never be the first thing. And if it's the last thing, people might not get to it. So it's really in the context of how you're going to tell me a story of why I should be parting with money in exchange for what you offer, problem you're going to solve, is how critical are you in that or is your unique skill? If you're very much, if you're the provider of the service or you've invented the solution, it, it's more than, than sooner and more is why it's you, why, why the other guy on the street selling the same thing or the guy on the next website doesn't have a, a this, the exact unique, high powered, highly valuable product or service you have. So you're more likely to get to the you earlier in the process, at least begin the process of why you're unique, why I'm very glad I'm talking to you or I'm on your website. If the reality is, you know, you're just, you're selling a commodity. Then, you know, that you're, you're selling, yeah, it really is. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a glass. It's a can of tuna. You know, it's, 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 it's the thing that anyone can get anywhere. Then it has to be more about your company. Like, like why is your service better? Cause it, again, again, this is why I'm, the whole idea of being unique doesn't have to be at the product. Why should I trust you more? You know, what, what, what is it about your customer support, your delivery? So, so when you think about what makes you unique, don't, People will sometimes, when they're new to this, they'll think too narrowly. They'll focus too much on them or their product. Think more broadly. Think from the customer's point of view, not your point of view. What's everything they're going to have to, a customer's going to go through in dealing with you from, you know, it's, it's easy to find what you're looking for on your website. Uh, you're easy to reach. You have customer service. You provide free shipping. You, you know, graciously take refunds for, you know, 30 days or two years, whatever you do. So, the first thing is getting clear on what makes you unique. Then, honestly, it's, I can't give you a pithy one-sentence answer to where you should put it. It's, you just want to make sure you get it in there. That in the end, it's the, the, the key reason someone is going to – someone who's definitely going to buy this thing today, someone who, you know, today, they, they need a football today. Where are they going to buy one from? It, it, the tiebreaker is your, your USP. It's like, like why you, why now, why shouldn't they keep – Shopping, just overcome all of their objections. You're the person who they want to be dealing with. If you're new, that's that's one. That, you know, don't hide that. Don't don't. It's, it's you know, lying tends to come back and bite you pretty pretty quick. So just if you've got, you know, it's part of what makes you unique is you're new and you're trying harder. That's excellent. That's the thing you need to emphasize in your copy. What are some of the components of a really great sales message? Um, well, in the simple writing system, that's you know, which is the thing after I worked with Carlton for a couple of years, uh, I. Let's say I, I was, I came up with the genesis of the idea that, all right, as much as he was a very, you know, the way his brain looked at things and the way he broke down problems, I, I saw salesmanship as a series of steps. And it turned, you know, when he and I spent the year or so working on the simple writing system, uh, we came up with 17. There was actually 17 components okay. to a sales message. Now, again, it's, I, I, we don't have the time to list all of them and explain them all, but, but some of them, you know, should be more intuitive. And, you know, when, when I'm trying to help people learn this stuff, by all means, you know, start off with the things that make the most sense to you. You know, let's, you know, get your, start crafting your sales message with the, the components of a sales message that makes sense to you. So the most obvious thing, or let's say one of the things that most people get is some type of opening. It, it's a headline if it's in print, and I still use the word headline if it's in, if in video. It's like something that is going to initially grab the attention of the person who is has any chance at all of buying today or opting in today? What's that quick opening? What's the thing that you can say that can get them to keep reading or keep listening? There are templates that have been proven to work with this. It, you know, like, like who else wants to be able to do this? Um, 
uh, identi- quickly identifying with, with the pain that they have, you know, the, the detail of the problem that they're facing. So just something that, you know, very quickly, the opening up, the headline, that's a key component. If you don't, you know, you know, Joe Sugarman said that the best, that, you know, the whole purpose of the first sentence is to get people to read the second sentence. The whole purpose of the second sentence is to get people to read the third sentence. You always have to open up salesmanship with that type of conversation. If you, if you kind of get down to the details too soon, almost everyone starts to shut down or phase out. And, and it, it's always been true. Once someone has phased out on a salesman, the sale is gone. And now we live in a world where, you know, phase, you know, you're a, a microsecond click away to go back or go to the next one. So I would say one of the great components you got to focus on is just like, what's the thing that's going to make people uh, hook? The, 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 I'll jump right to what I think is generally the next most important one is simply your offer. People, there are so many people who try to sell copywriting marketing now who are doing, well, they'll just, they're pandering, they're over pandering to the people who don't know any better, telling you things like, oh, you don't really have to sell. If you're cool and people like you and you know, you're, you're never pushy, never ask for the offer. Of course, people will just, they'll give you their money anyway because your product is so cool and they like you so much. I, I assure you that that is the road to failure. That you absolutely, when you are at the, it doesn't mean your first email or every email or every conversation you have with them is money, money, money. But when it's time, when, when you've warmed them up and explained why you should be trusted and what you've got, when it's it's time to get the order or for, for you know you folks to go your own, you each go your own way for the moment. You think about what the offer is. Don't don't you know very carefully. The, the your your client has well, has some sense of you know value, what things cost, why you know any objection that they might have departing with money in exchange for this thing, get it in there. Don't, don't, you know, don't, don't assume because you don't bring it up, they won't think of it. That, that's a, another well paved road to failure. That what this thing costs, what the guarantee is, exactly what they need to do now to get it. Don't short any of that stuff. Don't think that it's so obvious that people will click on the buy button. It's, you, you'll sell a lot more if you actually get that sentence in there. Just, you know, by, by the way, you know, the next thing to do right now to get this thing is, is click here to get started or click here to order. There's you know, any good salesmanship you study, if you actually you know, start breaking it down sentence by sentence, line by line, you're always going to see that like the direct call to action. Don't, don't assume people will know what to do next. If that, at the point they're ready to buy, you, you kind of got them, and I mean, trance is kind of overstating, but it is a kind of trance. Like they're they're in a mode. Okay, this is this is what they want. They're ready to go. You need to lead them all the way through the process, and you do that with, with the copy, whether it's the words on the page or the screen or in your audio or video. So I, I covered two of them. You think that was enough? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was definitely enough. Um, thank you very much for sharing. Um, I did have a question around that actually. The 17 steps within the simple writing system. Do you use all of those 17 steps every time that you write copy? I mean, can we still have great sales copy without some of those steps or do we really need to have all of them? Well, let's say, let, let's take, you know, an extreme case of something like an AdWords ad where you've got three lines. Yeah. No, you're, you're, let's, you know, let's, you're not getting all 17 components of a great sales message into a three line, mm-hmm. but you, you need to get one or two of them in there. So you need to think again, like the, the, the whole idea of that, of a small text ad is to get someone's attention, someone who may, may be in a mood or a space to, to part with money for what you've got. To, to click or to act to, 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 as they're looking at lots of other opportunity. So that's one of the 17 components is, you know, to get someone hooked. So in that case, that's really all you're going to accomplish. You're going to get their attention and then maybe you'll get to another one. Maybe you can 
get to a little bit of trust or experience. But again, you're dealing with such a small amount of copy. So when we talk about, you know, covering all 17 points in the overall sales process, you might get to, again, why you're trusted in one of the emails and then, okay, you, you know, in your overall sales funnel, you've covered that. Uh, you might get to, uh, the, the, say the key benefits of your product. You might spread that over several emails or, 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 or several videos. So it, it there, ideally you're in a position where you have someone's attention and they're in a mode or they're in a mindset where, yeah, in one sitting or one reading or one watching, they're going to cover all 17. But that's not always physically possible. So it's it's more important to think about make sure you've covered them all before you're trying to get them to the buy button. Before, If, if you need to build a case, why you, why your product, skipping any of those steps has proven to be detrimental. So even something like a testimonial or a or value, you know, some type of social proof. You could explicitly get it in the copy, or it can be off to the right of the page where people's eyes are, will you know jump back and forth. So it's a, that's just another example of something where before you you get to the buy now or let's say buy now and they're likely to go away. It's just you really want to make sure you've covered all the components of you know just classic salesmanship and. Yeah, you know, like in the end, we came up. It would have been really great if a checklist had been five or six or seven. That would have been, you know, cooler. But it turned out, you know, we had seventeen, and we thought, hey, you know, we, if we shorten this now, we're leaving things out. Yeah. So we go through a process where, again, you don't have to have all seventeen to have an okay sales message. That we we really make it, you know, very modular, where you can. We encourage you to start at number one and go through order, at least when you're learning. But when you're actually, you know, writing or developing a sales message for any one purpose. Absolutely not. You, you don't need to go one, two, three, four, all the way to seventeen every time. Once you understand the components, it's you'll cherry pick, and you know for any one use, any one day, any one sales message, they're not all equally important every single time. For example, someone who's already wired to open up your emails, if you've done a good job with that, suddenly that email subject line becomes a lot less important than that it's from you because you you put the time in to invest. First email, it's just the reverse. It's like the subject line is, wait, they don't know you yet or really care about you. They probably forgot they just opted into your website 30 seconds ago. <laughs> so the subject line is much more important to start building up that relationship. Okay, cool. So um, to take things in a slightly different direction now, would you ever recommend being controversial in your sales copy? Okay, this uh, that's, that's just a really good question. And in fact, it's um, I rarely get asked this, and I think it's important because for some reason, again, like, like we've all seen, I mean, countless sales messages. I'd, I'd say millions, but that's where I'm rounding down sales sales message. Whether it's a TV commercial, a magazine ad, a billboard, a banner ad on a website, we've all seen so much ads that almost everybody I know, and I, I admit, I, I came from this world, you know, before I studied any of it, I assumed I knew something about advertising because I had seen so much advertising. Really, really, really bad, bad assumption for anyone to make. It's until just because you've seen it, you don't know what worked and what did. You don't know what the objective of that ad was. For all you know, the person who's, you know, wow, they're running all these TV commercials. This ad must be working. If you see a lot of them for a couple weeks, a couple of months, they could be going to the cleaners. They could be, you know, throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars, euros, pounds down the drain. Unless you see it running for years, that's a pretty good indication. So controversy is one of those things because it's memorable. You are more likely to remember a controversial ad than the 99.9% of them that were not trying to be controversial. Therefore, you're more likely to have formed an opinion, like, I like that, that must be good. You liking it has nothing to do with whether an ad is a good ad or not. And that's one of the things you have to overcome is that's also true for your own ad. 
you, you are not your customer. So you thinking an ad is great is is very close to meaningless. What matters is if your customer thinks it's great. So again, that's what we try to teach people, the simple writing system. We try to teach them, like, look, this is how you get into the mindset of your customer by following these steps. It's how you get out of your mindset of the owner or the creator or the person who loves the product or loves what you do or, you know, just loves marketing or loves helping people. Your, your customer isn't you, so you need to go through the steps of thinking like them. So all things being equal, controversy is probably not a great idea. For mo- now, I'm going to give some reasons why it might be okay, unless it is your idea, unless you're selling the new thing and you're USP. And I'm going to, this ties back to what you asked me earlier. What makes you unique is you're the contrarian. You know, everything everybody else has told you is wrong, and that's your USP. Then you, in that case, you've got to go with controversy. If you try to then duck it in the rest of the ad, you're you're not making an impression with people that are still reading. So if, you know, that, that's what you're leading off with. I'm the one who's here to save you. I've made the mistakes. You know, every, the other information you got is probably wrong, et cetera, et cetera. That's inherently controversial because you're going to, especially if you're in a market where you do hang out with people that, you know, others in the industry. If you're the chiropractor or the doctor or the accountant and you, you know, part of your professional life is hanging out with other people, that's a decision you got to make because if you're going to go controversy for the customer, you you have to live with you know these people will be let's say somewhat less receptive of you next time if you're investing money telling the world they're idiots effectively because they're not you. So it's a thing to go into very carefully. Again, it's one way to stand out. It's not a bad way, but if you do it, you got to do it. You know, like you, you can't be controversial and be everybody's friend. So that's true with like one of the things that's true in a sales message. We, I, we could put a lot of words there instead of controversy. If you're going to go with that thing, you got to go with that thing. If you're going to go with you're the best, you're the most expensive, then you're the most expensive. You know, you, you can't then, okay, well, by the way, it's only 99 cents at the bottom. You, you, you've blown it, the whole thing. So it's like controversy, price, uh, how you deliver this, uh, you know, what your guarantee is. It's like, it's, you just, if you're going to go with it, then that's it. Then that's, that's part of your USP. You can't then waver off that thing, uh, in the same copy or, you know, two days later. You're, you're going to lose whatever credibility you built up. Even if you didn't get the sale, if, if you've made yourself as a credible option for this thing, if you start backing off what you let off with, it's people, you know, I mean, put yourself, that's not a hard one to think like any customer. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you're going into, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name of a high price store in the UK. Uh, give me a uh, Harrods. Or, I mean, it's Harrods. Yeah, Harrods. Yeah. High price store. Yeah. If you're, Harrods doesn't have a, a one pound floor. You know, it's like, you know, there, there's the one pound shop and there's Harrods. Yeah. They, they don't overlap. You know, you don't go into Harrods, but over here there's the, you know, this, this, the, the bulk stuff for a pound. You, you got to go with being Harrods. Mm-hmm. So the same is, is you. And if, if you are the discount one, then okay, then you're the discount one. Once you introduce that, into your sales process, or that's, you know, the controversy is everyone else is too expensive. You're charging the value price. Now price is part of every transaction with that customer because you put it on the table. You, you positioned yourself as part of your USP is price. So just you will don't, you know, have, don't roll your eyes or get uh, frustrated with your customers when they're always talking about price or they think it's too expensive. Or they want a discount. You started that conversation. I don't imagine too many people go into Harrods and haggle. It, it's just, it's not how they position themselves. So like, I, I'm, I'm trying to give you like, a, I realize I've, you know, kind of a long answer to this, but controversy can be fine, but just realize you're living with it now. As long as you are in that market, you're, you're not going to be able to be 
easily undo the controversy or separate yourself. If, if you're the controversial person, you're the controversial person. So generally, I would my recommendation is start. Uh, I, I would I would try something else first. But if that's what you're going with, that's what you're going with. My last question is around a topic that I've heard you mention before, Stan, which is why should we always assume the sale? Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I just I'm going to just expand a little bit on something I said uh, I think a couple times already. Is the people who aren't going to buy aren't aren't reading or they're not listening or not watching. They're they're very quickly self selecting out. It doesn't matter how awesome you know your sales message is. I mean, like you could have the best copy in the world for the thing, the product, or the information that young mothers need. I, I don't care if you gave me a hundred pounds and that thing. I don't want the thing. If, if I had to risk up and I'm like, I got to ship it back. It's like there, there is no sales copy that's going to make me want that. I mean, that's, it would just be a question of how much money you had to give me so I would take the thing off your hands because I am not a young mother who has these particular concerns and I don't have a daughter or a friend who is currently a young mother. So by writing, you, you are talking to people who have by their own self-selection, nothing to do with you or whether they're listening or they're reading – they're likely to buy because they're not, they're, they've, they've already hit the back button or turned the page if they're not. So writing with confidence or it's like with, you know, just moving towards the, the sale continue, you know, like my visual model is a, is, and I, I, uh, I, you know, Carlton taught me the curve. He may have, uh, I'm sorry, the, the term, I, I literally view a slide, like a, like a greased slide in the playground. Mm-hmm. If, if the person, like anyone might have gotten to the top of the slide, however they got there. You know, it'd be great if only prospects saw your ad, but that's not possible. But once they start moving, like they're getting off the slide. Like they're not going to start sliding down the hill or, or, you know, push themselves up unless they are somewhat interested. From there, what I, what I don't want is what I call a nail in the slide. I, I don't want anything to be a, again, like a, a something that's going to snag them. So I'm only talking to the people that are interested in this. And then, and here's why they want that thing. So if, if you have that mindset, and this is, and it's a really hard thing for when people get started, if they think their product is for everybody, it, it just simply isn't. At, at that moment in time, in that location, it's only for a small number of people. You're only writing to them. The other, let's say, you know, 90% or 99% or 99.99%, you're not writing to them. So what, no matter how you write, they're bailing out anyway. So write with confidence, right? Like obviously the people who are still with you reading or listening, they want this thing. And just, yeah, so if, if that's what you mean by assuming the sale, you know, like, you know writing with confidence, mm-hmm. just, just, yeah, like, like don't, there's no, this is not the time to be wishy-washy and say, well, I don't know, unless you're doing, you know, one something that's a very conscious takeaway, you know, this isn't for you because you might not be good enough or smart enough, or I, I only have one left, unless you're part of your sales process is some type of takeaway. Just, just drive towards them. Give them the reasons why they should buy and, you know, click here or, or call this phone number or take out your credit card, whatever they need to do to get it. And always, when you're, when you're do, when you're in the sales copy mode, when you're copywriting, that's the only way to write. It's just full speed ahead. Let's get this thing done. Let's start working together. Brilliant. Well, Stan, thank you so much for spending time with me, um, on the call today. Where can we find out more about you? And also, where can we find out more about the simple writing system? Okay, uh, I'm sure there's a link somewhere on this page or in the email that you're, you're sending folks, but it's, you know, sim- going to simplewritingsystem.com. Uh, we, uh, periodically have coaching programs as, as, as well as the material. In fact, we, uh, are, we, we're restructuring the website a little as I'm doing this interview, redoing the website a little bit. So right now we're just capturing people who are interested in the coaching program, but in a couple of weeks it'll be available again. 
And, and for more general marketing information, we have like, let's say, uh, like an online community where people can post questions. We, we, everything that we learned that the best practices, best tools for our own business and our customers, we post articles and we give people an opportunity really to ask myself and John Carlton, like any question you have about marketing. Like if we don't know the answer, we're tapped into, you know, people who create a lot of the software and the systems that, you know, uh, run a lot of internet commerce. So if we can't help you, we can connect the person who does. So that's Marketing Rebel Club. And we get this marketingrebelclub.com. It's simply you know, kind of like it's a, like about a buck a day membership site where you can just dive in. Either, either if we don't have the answer for you, right there on the homepage, you just ask the question and me or someone on my team gets right back to you with, you know, the best information we have. Or if we don't know, we'll point you to the person who, who we think, you know, the person, the expert we go to on that topic. So it's, it's a very unique online community. It's not based on our just endlessly pumping content at people and hoping this week's article or this, this, you know, this tool is the right tool. It's much more based on us continuously trying to pull out of the membership. Well, what exactly, you know, like, what do you need to know? What, what, what's your current bottleneck? So we can like very specifically address the questions, you know, the right tool, the right technique for you. Brilliant. That's the end of today's show, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. As ever, if you enjoyed the show, please show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes or on Stitcher. And Stan, thank you very much for, for joining me on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for talking to you. Good luck, everybody. The Online Marketing Show with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.